All right, welcome back. We've got season two of the Chalice Chasers podcast, and I am beyond excited. And uh, before we got into it or get into it, I just really want to thank everyone last year. Uh, last year was absolutely fantastic. We had a, uh, a total of 446 all-time downloads, which I think is astonishing. Uh, we had listeners all over the country and even all over the globe. We had a listener in Dublin, Ireland, Brussels, and in Moscow, Russia. Uh, that's absolutely wild. And uh, we can debate later if they're bots or not. But uh, for the time being, I'm going to take it as a pat on the back. And uh, I really couldn't have done it without everyone in, in the league and then some of the guests that came on. Uh, for example, the Marty Babbitts episode last season had 111 total downloads. Shout out to Marty. That's awesome. And, uh, and so now baseball's right around the corner. Uh, grass is being cut in preparation of opening day humidors are being initiated across the league. It's just, it's an absolutely exciting time. And uh, I thought, what better than to have on the first episode of season two, the reigning champion from last year, Kevin Wygan. So I've got Kevin with me here. We're going to go into uh, last season a little bit in this season. And uh, I just got to give a shout out to Kevin before we get into this, because uh, he won the league again. His 15th year playing fantasy baseball, and he now has five championships. It was a well-fought battle against Sean Zhao. Um, Kevin had a power-hitting week, 18 home runs in that final week. His guys really turned on when it needed to be. And throughout the entire season, in, because we play head-to-head -head categories, he was in the top five of every single category except for um, saves which I'm curious to see this year. Uh, he went a little uh, save heavy, but we'll get into that a little later. And uh, um, on top of that, he even was number one in transactions with uh, close to 125 transactions on the year and second place was 80. Um, as most of you know, we're moving to a daily league this year. And so I'm curious to see if that only uh, adds, um, adds another weapon to Kevin's belt in terms of uh, trying to uh, generate those uh, excess returns, would you say? But uh, yeah, Kevin is the most storied fantasy player in our league, uh, five-time champion. He's been in the playoffs 10 total times, uh, and um, he has buys almost like 50 or 60% of the times he's in the playoffs, just meaning that he generally is there in dominating fashion. And uh, I have to give a, um, a hat tip to Sean Zhao and Tim Hughes and Danny Gimple, um, all of which had fantastic seasons. Um, you guys had players in the top 20 on the player Raider. Uh, you, Kevin, and uh, the three of you had most of the players in the top 20. So you were really doing something right there. And uh, all of you had very nice teams, great seasons. And uh, without further ado, uh, I just wanted to welcome Kevin Wygant back for his second appearance on the Chalice Chasers podcast. Whoop, whoop. Good to be back. Thanks for that I, intro. That was, that, was, uh, that was great. Absolutely. Um, it, uh, it's, it's well warranted. And um, we're really excited to have you back on the podcast here and uh, um, man, I don't know about you, but how are you feeling right now? We're a week away from baseball. Like it feels good. Doesn't it? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, basketball is kind of calmed down. There's obviously no football. This is like right when that baseball itch pops up and, uh, typically the season starts like, like I would imagine it would be starting like tomorrow normally. So we're only about a week behind. Um, and it's, we, we drafted like almost two weeks ago now. 
and it's kind of torture looking at looking at the roster, just minimal updates on your guys with spring training stuff. It's frustrating. I'm ready for real baseball. And a little fact, fun fact for you. Did you see today the the St. Louis Cardinals beat the Nationals 29 to 8? I did see that. What what is that? I don't know. <laughs> Are the Nationals awful? I don't know. I mean, they scored eight runs, but they uh, they allowed 29. So maybe a pitching problem. That's a sign of spring training if I've ever seen one. Um, I, uh, I'm i right there with you in regards to the checking the news on the rosters on the ESPN app. Uh, how many how many times a day are you checking? What would you say? What's your over under? News of, uh, sorry, rosters on my team. So, Probably so once a day, I would say. Okay. I don't I'll get keep- very many. It's like one or two blurbs like every couple of days. It's really not much. I'm right there with you, but I'll, I'll still find myself opening up the app and being like, looking like I just, I'm, I'm giddy. Yeah. It's exciting. It is exciting. And so, uh, yeah. So Kevin, um, I really appreciate you coming on here and we have so much to discuss. I thought, uh, what we could kind of do first is let's, let's just get right into some fantasy baseball analysis and, uh, let's dive into, uh, the Duckworth scale. Oh, Okay. Cool. So we made up the Duckworth scale last year in the middle of the year because here's how it was born. People were saying, oh, my team is actually way better uh, than I'm performing record wise. Like, I feel like I have a really strong team. And then there were some teams that seem to have a really good record and not that good of a team. Uh, And, you know, in the past, when we would do points leagues, you could usually just filter by points for and it would be a really strong proxy for like the best teams and the worst teams and who has the lucky win loss record as it relates to points. It's a little bit harder to do in Roto or categories. Um, so we, I made the, the Duckworth scale, which basically looks at each, uh, each team and at each of the 12 categories we have in scoring and basically rank gives you a score of one to 12 in wherever you rank, wherever you rank in that category. So if you have the most home runs, you would get a one in home runs. If you have the least home runs, you would get a 12 in home runs because there's 12 teams in our league. Uh, So then once you've done that for each of the 12 categories, you take the average or the median, uh, which is defined as the X duck. um, (laughs) (laughs) If you do the median, because it's so extreme. Uh, But that uh, that sort of is then gives you a score. And the way we look at it is the lower scored better, meaning you sort of score towards the top of more categories than others. And as we looked at it through the year, it was like a pretty good proxy for who who was, I think it was pretty on par for the, the majority of the season. It's something that takes a while to sort out usually. Like early on in the year, the Duckworth might not, might show that, teams that are performing really well are not actually good in the standings, but we actually saw it sort of normalized at the end of the year. And the best Duckworth teams were actually some of the best teams in the league as well. Um, and I've also prepared one for us here preseason using projections. We can get into that whenever you want. Oh, that's fantastic. I have two questions before we get into that. Uh, so yeah. first a little background on the name Duckworth. And then two um, would, is it safe to say that uh, the Duckworth definitely leans towards balanced teams and uh because 
like like I had said with you, uh, you were obviously high in the Duckworth uh, scale last year, and you were top five in almost every category other than saves. Uh, so is there anything you can kind of extrapolate from the Duckworth in regards to uh, uh, strategy? Yeah, I honestly, it's a really good question on the second point. Um, I... I would love to like have enough of this data over the years and be able to say, Oh, this one stat it with our format in our league leads to more wins. If you're better in steals or, you know, quality starts or whatever we do, like that would be really cool. I actually don't have like that hot of a take on which individual rankings have, uh, have led to more success, but definitely it rewards teams that have, uh, more balanced rosters. I think there, if, if you're really bad in the category and not really good in the category, uh, you're going to be punished in the Duckworth because you're going to kind of come out flat. Uh, and if you can stay towards the middle, it actually shows that you have a, like a really balanced team. There aren't too many teams that are kind of in the middle. Like most people have a lot of like one, twos, threes, and then a lot of tens, 11, 12s. Uh, and that just shows like you kind of over index one way or another as a roster. Uh, very few teams are like in that like st- steady like five to nine range. Um, yeah. And it, there, there were a couple of them this year that actually did do that preseason. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see over the long haul. This has only been one season of data. Um, you know, what stats I think lead to, to more success. Of course. And then the name. Name is named after Brandon Duckworth, former Phillies great uh, starting pitcher. He pitched from, oh God, I, I, he had win-loss record in his career of 23 and 34, uh, 528 earned run average and 376 strikeouts. So uh, not the best pitcher, but just a pitcher that has like a cool name. And I don't know. I was a big fan. I was rooting for him as a kid. Oh, I was too. Everyone was on that duck train. And he was a Philly great. The duck uh, pond. It was the duck pond. The duck pond it, that it was. Uh, and so going back to that, um, the point you had made about uh, following the Duckworth scale this year, is it an onerous process for you? Or is it pretty like, uh, is getting the data out of ESPN and doing that uh, calculation, um, no sweat off your back? I got to give a shout out to the member, uh, Timothy Hughes here. Tim helped me with it today he volunteered to pull i only did it because tim volunteered to pull the data out of espn for me so tim literally extracted all the data i'm not sure how he did it um he was using some sort of i think it was python i'm not really sure he has some sort of system that does this and he just sent me a big excel spreadsheet uh with all the data ready to go and then i just had to put it through the duckworth system which takes about 15 minutes so not too bad at all but last year i did do it through by hand which was not fun uh, but it sounds like tim has this thing ready to go and we can just refresh this and rerun this whenever we want so it'll be much easier to to, to bring out for the team oh that that's amazing i'm gonna have to talk to tim he was already pretty high on my list and now he's just even higher that's uh that's really cool because getting stuff out at espn is a nightmare uh i asked you that question because i'm curious if we could you like say we took a snapshot of the duckworth every say two weeks or so could yeah. we use that at like look at the dispersion amongst uh um 
like say like biweekly dispersion amongst the managers as like a proxy for their like management skill. And again, I'm just spitballing here. Uh, I don't expect you to have an answer to that. I'm just curious if between yourself, some of the other people in the league, uh, if we were to put our brains together and think about uh, like, how could we quantify that, um, that um, the management element? And uh, I think it's going to be interesting this year because of the daily aspect. Would you be in agreement or, or is anything, um, anything stick out to you there? Yeah, I mean, one, I definitely think this year is going to be very interesting with the daily aspect. I have no idea what that means. You said I had 120 transactions last year, and I was in a weekly league, and I was spent. Like, I felt like I was every every week sort of reevaluating, like, my entire roster and making those moves. Um, I am <laughs> kind of nervous what daily might look like for just the average amount of transactions for the league. It'll be really interesting to see. Um, yeah, the Duckworth is going to have to be reevaluated. I think a little bit, I'm just going to have to look at it differently from a daily perspective, right? Because you could be sacrificing in a given, if you did take week to week snapshots, you would sacrifice, you, there would be, I would imagine in a daily league, you're going to see way more of like sacrificing certain stats. Cause so our league 12 categories, if you win six, five to one, you, you, that's, a, that's a win for the week. That's what you want to do. That's how you advance in the playoffs is just scoring more out of the 12 than the other person you're playing against. And um, for, the, for, those, for those in uh, Ireland and Moscow, we are uh, six by six uh, OBP and quality starts. Yeah, those are – those. it's – yeah. It's uh, runs, homers, RBIs, stolen base, OBP, slugging – and then the normal pitching categories plus quality starts. But yeah, so like the thing is, is I think there's different, we especially with like pitching, right? I think there's different, different weeks you're going to approach things differently. And I think you could see a lot more people hunting on like saves or starts, depending on what your schedule looks like. Like if you have in the past, if somebody had, had no closers all you would have to do is start one closer for the week and you would probably lock up saves that's not going to be as easy anymore i would imagine uh to get those those little easy free gimme categories because people can sub people in and rack up stats um so i would imagine you could see the duckworth looking very different um if you look at it in close intervals but if you zoom out Again, all it really is is like a way it's, – it's, it's our best guess so far. I mean, somebody could come up with something better, but it's our best guess for simulating like points four in, in Roto slash categories. Um, so that's all it really I, – I don't think I'm in any place to like say this thing is like genius or smart or innovative, <laughs> innovative in any way, but it's just like a way we have to make sense of how teams are performing in which categories. No, it's a, uh, it's, um, it's a great quantification and uh, it's very simple. And sometimes that's all you need. Right. Um, I, I love it. And so it, it, without, um, you know, we build up a lot of suspense there. What's, uh, what's the duck pond saying about uh, 2022 based off these drafts? Oh man. Um, I can give you the, what the Duckworth scale has to say right now. How do you want Perfect. me to do this? Just read, read the, uh, I will just read. No, let's let's do this. Scores. How about this? So that it so that it's clear for the um, for the owners. Let's go, let's go in terms of uh, draft positions. So let's go one through twelve. Uh, okay. Um, 
and just do it that way. What's their Duckworth score and what's their overall rank? And then also, uh, because I think it'd be interesting. I know this is very like our league specific, um, but I'm just curious what your take is. Like if you were to step aside from the, um, uh, the quantitative factor and just look at the qualitative side, like what's your gut saying about these teams? Like if, and if you're not prepared for all of them, it's fine, but yeah, let's just, let's go quickly through one through 12 and, uh, um, we'll start off with, I, I had the first pick. And so we'll start with, uh, we'll start with me there taking Juan Soto. How, uh, how does, uh, the rainy squad look? Yeah. And just so everybody knows, I did go through and rank the teams. I left myself out of it. So I ranked the teams one through 11 and, and then I did the Duckworth after. So I'll give you my rank of these teams and the Duckworth's rank and we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but let me just pull. So so you were number one, Juan Soto. The Duckworth has you with a score on the Duckworth scale. And remember, lower is better of 7.333. And that puts you 10th on the Duckworth scale. Interesting. I would think based off what you said, that has to do with me being uh, light in pitching and top heavy in hitting. Yeah. But, so, so it's a couple of things. Like, first of all, this is and this is totally not fair potentially to some people, but like this is who you have in your starting lineup today when Tim pulled all this data out. So if you just had somebody random in your lineup for whatever reason or somebody hurt, you're penalized for it here. Um, so and, and it takes that person's projections for the season in each of these categories. And you're right. If you – what this doesn't account for, right, if you have uh, a bunch of relievers in your in – your, starting rotation and you don't have any starters in there and they're on the bench, right? You don't get the benefit of that daily like swapping that you could do now that we're daily. And it's going to really hit you hard on like K's and wins and quality starts and things like that. And that really lowers the Duckworth. Um, So that that definitely happened to you in pitching. You were 11th in K's, 10th in quality starts, 10th in wins. So like that is a probably more of a function of who's in your lineup in terms of position wise, rather than the caliber of like your actual pitching staff. Um, so that's why you're so low there. You could have three starters on the bench that if you swapped in, boom, you're going to be middle of the pack there. Um, so that's what's happening there. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. I appreciate that uh, rundown. Who uh, who are we looking at in second? Um, or actually, no, let's stick with the order. Um, I've got Larry here as the um, second pick taking Shohei Otani. Where does Larry stack up on the duck? Wait, sorry. One second, Rainy. I had you also in eighth in my ranks. Oh, in your just personal uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that rank? Yeah, my personal one through 11. And I probably could have spent more time with that, but that's, that's where I have you. Well, so that we don't need to bore the listeners. You know, I'd love to unpack that, but we'll just leave that where that is. And I'll, uh, I'll just take that as disrespect. Yeah, take it as disrespect. I think... The goal here is to get a lot of people fired up and disrespected either by me or this Duckworth. Uh, so people are going to track this and remember this in our league and call me out on it later. So I just want to have this out there for people. No, I love it. You're bringing a, you're bringing some fire here and uh, um, let's, uh, let's keep moving. Where, um, where did Larry at the second pick, where did yeah. his duck? Larry had a Duckworth score of 7.917, which is good for 12th in the league in Duckworth. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, That's the highest Duckworth score in terms of like, you know, numerical value, which puts him in last place. Was, did you go to a third decimal point because 
it was so close or is that just uh, how, te- is that how precise you are? The third decimal point is probably unnecessary. I just went there to make sure that there wasn't like a tiny, tiny difference. Um, no, I like the emphasis. It's like, he's in, he's in last and they're like, we're getting into the decimals. So good riddance to you, uh, Larry. The one thing I will say you're in first place in is uh, team name. Have you seen his team name? Oh yeah. He was, uh, he was very excited about that one. That's genius. Uh, so Larry's team, Larry took Shohei Otani with the second pick and he also has Alec Manoa and his team name is Otanica Light the Manoa. I just, another tip of the hat to Larry. Like, I just think that's an incredible team name and, uh, uh, yeah, that's one of the best. Um, all right. So moving on here, we got Danny with the third pick taking Trey Turner. Where's Danny stacking up on the, uh, the duck, uh, Danny. So, sorry, Larry, my rank for Larry was actually 10th, so very close personally in Duckworth and Larry ranks. Um, and just calling out, there could be some shady things going on with how this counts for Shohei Otani because he's a two-way guy. So that is working in Larry's favor. That might be skewing things in some way that we haven't thought through yet But because uh, it probably makes him more valuable in a daily setting. Uh, but leave it there. Danny was third pick in the Duckworth Danny was one, two, three, four. Danny was fifth overall with a duck worth of 6.083. Okay. That's uh that sounds like Danny, just right in the middle of the pack, always fighting. Um uh gotta give hats off to Danny. This is coming up on his 13th year in the league. I know we mentioned that last year, but uh he's one of the uh he's one of the vets. Um so where do you have Danny on your I had Danny at I had Danny at ninth behind you. Um so Big difference there in terms of what the duck were saying, what I was thinking. Got it. Got it. Interesting. I think I know where you're going there and it'll be curious to uh, see if that plays out. Um, what about, uh, what about Tim with uh, yeah. Acuna on my face, Vladdy? Um, it's, a, it's a good team name. It's, it's a mouthful, but uh, taking Vlad, Vlad Jr. there uh, at the fourth pick, how, how'd the Duckworth rank Tim? Tim, Tim, and again, shout out to Tim for pulling all this stuff. We would no way would we have all this data ready uh, if it wasn't for Tim. But Tim came in sixth right behind Danny in the Duckworth with a 6.583. I had also had Tim in, in, oh, sorry, I had Tim in fifth. So again, very close between me and the Duckworth. But yeah, Tim is in sixth place uh, and Danny is in fifth place. Interesting. Um, let's keep it moving. We've got uh, in uh, fifth uh, we've got Ari with, uh, he took Bryce Harper in our, in our league. Uh, where does it stack up the fight in Harper's? Ari's Duckworth was 5.75 and that is third overall on the Duckworth scale. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. I like Ari's team. I had him as, as fourth, uh, on my scale, on my ranks. So, uh, good draft for Ari. Did he, I know you've got a, um, an inside track to inside uh, Ari's brain. Um, did he disclose to you any strategy or was it really what he said where his strategy was no strategy? Yeah. I mean, he, ha- he, he goes on these rants about these algorithms and things that he comes up with uh, in his sleep. But I think his strategy uh, was truly no strategy at all. And just picking guys that he was familiar with. And that seemed like good value in the draft. He does know a lot about baseball. Uh, you can't 
play hardcore fantasy baseball for like 12 straight years and not have a good sort of sixth sense for this stuff. But uh, yeah, he didn't do a ton of prep, but he has a good team. Uh, a really, really high powered offense is what put him so high. He was first in RBI, second overall in projected homers and third overall in steals. So like a lot of power speed for that team. Oh, wow. Very cool. Uh, when he took uh, Jordan Alvarez uh, in the um, second round, very early on, like 16th pick or something like that, I was like, all right, this, it doesn't feel like no strategy that uh, I liked that pick. And so uh, happy pick. yeah, that's, that's not uh, just coming in and looking at the projections and rolling with whatever. I feel like that was like, like you said, that sixth sense, that intuition. So we'll see what works out there. Um, after that, we got Mike in the, with the sixth pick where he took Mike Trout, which was actually probably earlier than a lot of the uh, industry experts. But like they say, experts can't accurately forecast the future. So maybe Mike's on to something there with uh, taking Trout at number six. How did he stack up? Yep, we've got one Mike drafting another Mike. Um, and, and Mike <laughs> was fourth on the Duckworth scale, right behind Ari, ahead of Danny and Tim. Uh, so fourth with a 5.917. I actually had Mike as third uh, on my ranks, which I could be talked in. I could be talked to put him higher. I could be talked to put him lower. You look at Mike's team, some of the biggest boomer bust players I've seen on one roster in a long time. Um, if, if things go right for, for that team, watch out because he's got some, some guys that could all be top 10, 20 players on, you know, the offensive player rater and some pitchers too. Uh, but you know, they never all work out, but if a, if, a, if a handful of them work out, that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. It will be. And that's saying something coming from uh, someone that generally takes that boomer bust strategy in yourself. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this here. I'm seeing Trout, Judge, Yelich, Buxton. Those no. are all um, lottery tickets. Yelich and Buxton, like, could be top 20 guys. And he probably got them, I don't know what rounds, like between 8 and 12 in his 12-team league. So. I mean, I think those are those are lottery tickets, like you said. Those guys miss a lot of time with injuries, but if they're healthy, they could, you know, they could get hot and watch out. That those are power speed guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. People say Byron Buxton's just this incredible athlete, um, and then they show uh, they showed spring training the other day. It was like the second or third day of spring training, and he's running full speed into a wall trying to f shag a pop up, and it's like, man, just. Goose Fraba. <laughs> uh, and so, oh, you don't remember Goose Fraba? Uh, that's a, that's a, uh, that's an old one. Uh, you're going to have to have someone tell you about that. Um, that was Adam Sandler, anger management. When, uh, when the guys replaying the um, uh, Allen Iverson going up for the layup, or he's like, you got to dunk that. And I'm pretty sure it's, uh, um, I think it's Jack, uh, uh, Nicholson's in that and um, he's the one he tells Adam Sandler and all the people in anger management Goose Fraba you don't remember Goose Fraba I don't remember Goose Fraba but I'm gonna have to rewatch that movie and uh, and Byron, like Fraba game on, on where it needs to be let me know how that goes uh, let's let's keep moving uh, here with the Duckworth scale we've got next uh, um, I believe it's Sean Zhao with uh, the seventh pick taking Jose Ramirez yeah, so Sean Zhao uh, came with was second place in Duckworth, and he was actually tied for first, but he has 
a worse X duck than the person he was tied with. So I put him in second. Uh, and that, that duck worth scale is 5.417. And my ranks had Zhao at seven out of 11. Um, but Zhao has no, he, he is number one projected in four, in five separate categories, which is almost half of them, um, which is really impressive. That's K's quality starts wins, uh, which are obviously <laughs> very hit or miss slugging and homers. So that's why he's at the top. Interesting. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be cool to see if that plays out. Uh, projections are, um, uh, generally I, uh, I, I remember seeing the projections are mostly like three-year averages kind of extrapolated out. And so um, uh, it'll be interesting to see. It sounds like that uh, could be playing in his favor there. He um, ride or die with the projections. Also, I think he totally punted on saves. He was projected zero saves. Maybe he just had somebody on his bench. But uh, yeah, he, he was doing all this while being 12th in saves. So he's, he's definitely like a very balanced team other than the, uh, the closers. That, that's interesting. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to get him on the podcast again this year and uh, see what's going on there from a strategy standpoint and just uh, um, see if that is uh, um, deliberate or by chance. And uh, something tells me it was quite deliberate. <laughs> All right, so moving on here, we got uh, um, Connor next, eight, with um, – he took Mookie Betts there. Uh, what, what's the duck we're saying about Connor's team? Yeah, Connor going back to Mookie two years in a row. Um, that's some dedication after some bad performance last year. But Connor is ninth overall on the Duckworth with a 6.750 score. And I actually had Connor in, in last in my ranks, uh, 11th. Um, yeah. Interesting. It'll be curious to see where that plays out um, or how that plays out. Um, were there any specific, I'm just curious, were there any categories that uh, he was just really weak in putting them, putting them lower there or, or yeah, why, um, why did you put them lower offense? Okay. Yeah. Homers 11th RBIs 12th steals 12th uh, runs 10th. Uh, so not a lot of pop, not a lot of speed, just like some on base guys. His on base is pretty good, but and his pitching is pretty good, but uh, yeah, no, no sort of power or speed. You heard it here. Not a lot of pop. Those are fighting words. Not a lot of pop at all. I think he's got like Nicky Lopez. I could be wrong about that. He's projected like one homer, so that hurts him. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, it could be uh, it could be biased. Uh, there's a chance Nicky Lopez uh, grabs a lot of wood on his team when the season comes. Um, yeah, hitting that pine. Hit hitting that pine. All right. So then let's keep moving. We got uh ooh, we got the big milkshakes, Mr. Carter Farrell, uh, with Garrett Cole at nine. I'll give you one guess as to where Carter came out of the duckworth. One? Yep. Yeah. Number one. Wow. <laughs> so he's a he's I we could sit here and uh, philosophize on the uh, the reason why, but it's just uh, um, it's interesting to see year after year, you know, just solid performance uh, from Carter and and the Duckworth is definitely um, definitely in his favor this year. What's 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 the uh, what's the scale telling you? Just another balanced team. Yeah, he uh, was number one in ERA and WHIP, so like he's got he's got some talented pitchers on that team. 
Um, and he, he's got a lot of like the, the big offensive homers, RBIs. He's towards the top as well, like top three. Uh, so, you know, a, a classic Carter draft. I thought I, I drafted next to him. And there were many, many times throughout the day where I was like upset with myself for, you know, Carter taking a guy right in front of me or me passing on a guy, Carter taking him the next pick right after me. It was very frustrating. Uh, he's a good drafter. He's got some upside on his team too. Guys like Cody Bellinger, who just like could break out at any time. Same with Chris Bryant, just like a lot of big names. And yeah, he is the best Duckworth score. And I also have him ranked second in my ranks. Um, so I, I think this is a really good team on paper. Interesting. Um, have you heard about Cody Bellinger in spring training? And again, spring training, grain of salt, but have, have you heard about it? I heard something recently that he is like still a mess. Yeah, right? I don't know how that guy fell off from where, like if he is bad again this year, there might not be a more dramatic like two-year swing from a guy's peak to where he where he's at two years later. He he really needs to fix whatever whatever he's doing wrong. Right. I have faith. Um, but he's gonna be batting at the bottom of that lineup, which is just crazy to think about. That's a stacked Dodgers lineup. Um totally. And all right, so then uh we've got three more here. Uh we've got you in the 10th spot. Uh, slop, sloppy stakes, uh, taking Freddie Freeman. What, uh, what's the Duckworth saying about your team? Duckworth does not like my team. I'm in, I'm in 11th out of 12 here, uh, on the Duckworth. And it's pretty obvious why, if you look at my team, uh, I have four relievers in my rotation. Yes. Um, which absolute. So this is what I was talking about earlier. Like, you know, if I if there's a starter that has a start, I'm probably going to swap them in there for a reliever. Um, but the Duckworth does not care about that and has me in 12th in K's quality starts and wins. Um, so yeah, definitely really hurt my score. First overall in saves, uh, second in steals, uh, second in runs. But yeah, kind of middle pack everywhere else. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if the Duckworth is a little too narrow minded. Uh, <laughs> Um, well, so it's interesting that strategy you took there in, uh, going with a lot of the saves over the pitching. I'd imagine your, your thought process is you're going to be able to pick up pitchers. And where I'm going with this is if you look at the player Raider from last year, the top say 15 pitchers, man, Adam Wainwright, number eight was on and off waivers, like nine different times throughout the season. Robbie, Robbie Ray was drafted, uh, in the, um, 21st round and was dropped and then repicked up. And he was the number five pitcher on the year. Like pitching is just, uh, I don't know if you'd agree with me here, but I just find pitching to be so difficult to crazy. It's like, and then Freddie Peralta was pretty late. Uh, Carlos Rodon was another guy that was, I think, picked up in like April, uh, both top 20 pitchers on the year. Um, but the thing with that is, like, if you look at a lot of the other pitchers on the list, they were, like, drafted in the first two rounds. So those guys are, like, steady rocks. And then you have a lot of just waiver sort of guys that were just, like, home runs. You just struck gold with them. Um, but for every, you know, every 
Robbie Ray and Carlos Rodon, you have dudes who just didn't make, just lost you a week because you picked them up and started. It's, and it's so, and I keep, I keep saying this, it's going to be very interesting to see how it shapes out with daily because Robbie Ray, um, like he, he's got his ups and downs, but he ended the season where he, um, you know, in that top 10, but it's like, can you weather that volatility? Are these guys going to be dropped? So yeah, totally. Very- Robbie Ray probably fell in our draft uh, more than any other player relative to their ADP. That was like a first five or six round pick. He, he probably what, went in like late fourth round. He was projected to be like a second rounder. Um, so, yeah, I, I think people are pretty bearish on Robbie Ray repeating this year. Don't blame you for feeling that way. Um, but, yeah, my strategy, uh, to be honest with you, I, I do have a bit of a strategy with the daily and the relievers. But a lot of it came down to, I, I get, you know this, I get fascinated with hitters early on. And I just can't resist. Um, and then by the time I was like, okay, I need to get start, start taking some pictures here. I just didn't like a lot of the guys. They just seemed like second, like second or third tier guys D- didn't feel like guys that had a great chance at ending up on this top 20 list right. uh, and figured I'd rather take a guy who I know has like a, a decent closing job and, you know, try my luck with the waivers, finding one of these gems to be a starter for me. That makes perfect sense. And, uh, it, yes, you, you cannot quit the pop. You love Can't the pop. Quit can't quit it. Kevin, we skipped over something that's incredibly important. I don't believe you said where you personally rank Carter because he, for those who do not know, it's a little bit of a, a nemesis for you. Um, oh, I ranked him second. I ranked him second. So did you say that? Did I miss that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure I didn't want to get a call about uh, – um, no. You, uh, you not wanting to uh, say where, where he was ranked. Um, all right. So great. So we got, uh, um, we got two more left. We've got the twoest, uh, um, the newest members to the league. We've got Greg at 11 and link at 12. Let's start with Greg who took DeGrom, of course. Um, interesting. He, he went back to back Mets. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, what's the duck saying about Greg's team? So Greg and link had the same Duckworth. Um, Interesting. 6.667. But Link had a better, barely, X Duck. So Link gets the nod there. So I'll, I'll get to Link in a second. Greg uh, was eighth overall. Um, and that would make Link seventh. But yeah, the, the Greg, is, Greg is eighth. If I look at my ranks on Greg, I had Greg out of the 11 teams. I had him sixth. Uh, so kind of right in the middle. Uh, and this isn't too far off, but yeah, that's where we're at. Good, good, good outcome. I would say for drafting at the, the end of a 12 team draft to be kind of projected towards the middle for both of these guys. I'd say um, that's a tough spot to draft for them. Some people really like it. Um, some don't. Uh, what, and then what about link? Yeah, link. I had, I had link as number one uh, on my board and Duckworth had him seventh. But uh, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a big disparity there. I was saying it when we were drafting. I, I really liked some of the picks he was making. And uh, I hope he doesn't prove me wrong this year. I hope he can can get over that hump and, and make a big run. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be awesome to see how the duck horse shapes up throughout the year. And I really appreciate you doing that. It, it adds a little extra flavor 
to the league. And uh, um, I know everyone's looking for that. And so I really appreciate you doing that. Um, and uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about the duck or anything that uh, um, you think we might've missed? No, that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, we can, I, it's, it's on the, uh, it's on the Google doc or the Google sheet. So you can, the league Google sheet. So you guys can look through it if you want and uh, see if I made any, many, any uh, calculation errors or if Tim did something wrong with the, how he pulled the data out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine this will change within two weeks. We'll have a completely different duck work. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the ESPN uh, projections too, I'm kind of curious where those are um, being populated and uh, if, you know, because projections can just be so all over. So I'd be curious to see about that. Um, so Kevin, I thought, so that was just a great segment and thank you for bringing that on. I thought that uh, for the sake of this first podcast, because baseball's not going on right now, we don't have a lot to talk about. Um, I devised an idea to uh, do a little bit of a, um, a category matching exercise using something I came across recently in fan graphs. Um, would you, are you up for this? Will you, and I can explain in, I didn't, I will give much more detail, but if I ask, like, can you match something to a owner in the league for me once we get into I, it? I will play this game. Awesome. I cannot wait. So I was perusing fan graphs and I came across a section of the website where they post um, jobs related to wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's very cool. It's um it's called the Fangrass Jobs Posting section, and they post jobs related to uh, baseball, to um, baseball analytics, to minor league baseball, and man, some of these jobs are gonna make you laugh. Uh, the details of them, the some of the it's just wait for me to get into this. I think these are uh, really good, and I'm glad. So I was hoping that. So I've got. Let's see here. I've got. Um, is this the same idea as sort of the investor matching thing we did oh, last year? A little bit. Um, okay. the, the only thing here is, so we have, I just want to see how many I have. We're not going to be able to get this to the entire league. I don't have 12 of them that were uh, worthy of this, but okay. we've got, all right, we got about five or six, some with some detail, some without. So we'll just kind of start this. And uh, um, the, the, one that, the one that we're going to start with here is, um, the Cleveland Guardians are looking for a minor league bench coach. This was posted on Fangraphs, and uh, so so before before you before you name it, I got to give some of the qualifications. They actually have a link to like the job posting, and this this is where it's just gold. So the Cleveland Guardians uh, they want someone looking. They want someone who's willing to monitor and report on base running and defensive progress. Okay, so that's that's one. Okay. Possess a passion for player and personnel growth. Okay. Location, Arizona or the Dominican Republic. Okay. All right. There's there's two um, skills they're looking for fluency in. One is Spanish. Mm-hmm. The, the second is SQL computer coding. Oof. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> Tough combo a, for our league. <laughs> uh, for for a bench coach, that one's a little interesting. Um, Spanish and computer uh, coding, and then 
Um, the final, the final uh, qualification they're looking for is strength.